Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and welcome to my podcast. In our first episode, we're going to read an article that I have published in WordPress titled Understanding Madrasa. Understanding Madrasa, written and read by Noor Jamal Giling Batugan. For more than 1,400 years, the madrasa served as the sanctuary for learning and education of young Muslims. It shaped their worldview, formed their values, and nurtured their faith. It cultivated the meaning of submission or Islam in their hearts and minds by inculcating in them the existence of a singular God, Allah, as well as the practical and spiritual realities that it entails. It instilled in their souls genuine admiration and love for Prophet Muhammad whose teachings and tradition guide them in their journey towards salvation. More than studying religious doctrines and practices, Muslims flocked the madrasa with the noblest goal the deliverance of humanity from the darkness of ignorance to the elimination of knowledge. Icons such as Ibn Taymiyyah, Al-Ghazali, Ibn Sina, Ibn Rushd, Al-Khwarizmi, Al-Biruni, Rumi, and a constellation of other scholars, jurists, scientists, thinkers, and polymaths illuminated not only the lives of Muslims but all of humanity. It was through their intellectual prowess that the so-called Renaissance in the West came into being. Madrasa, therefore, was more than a school. It was the heart of human civilization. The word madrasa in an, is an Arabic noun which means a place of learning. It is derived from the, wor- from the verb darasa, which has two meanings. First, it means to read in order to understand and remember. This sheds light on how the early Arabs understood learning. It requires the improvement of three skills, reading, understanding, and remembering. Reading is not limited to digesting words, sentences, or paragraphs written on papers and books. It also includes observing and contemplating at the science of Allah. This includes persons, incidents, nature, ideas, emotions, and everything that bears meaning. It is not strange, therefore, that reading was Allah's first revelation and command to Prophet Muhammad In fact, the word Qur'an literally means that which is frequently read. Both books, the book of scripture and the book of nature, are full of signs that humans should should read so they may recognize the existence of one God, Allah. Such definition also suggests that the real thrust of learning is not reading and understanding per se. It is also the capability to remember and retain ideas and concepts, what we read and understood. Thus, disciplines in Islam are sustained and developed through the practice of diraya and riwaya, or comprehension and narration where scholars and students are not only trained to become proficient in their disciplines, but also in the mastery of passing it on to others. Its other meaning is to erase and remove the trace. Learning elevates man from his animal nature to his rational, intellectual, and spiritual disposition. It removes from him the blemishes of his moral, intellectual, and spiritual ignorance. 
Madrasa thus is where a person ascends from the morass of obliviousness to the pedestals of consciousness. The term madrasa was first coined by scholars of the 5th century during the reign of Persian wazir Nizam al-Mulk. Its concept, however, traces its roots back to the days of Meccan Islam. The earliest followers of the Prophet Muhammad wasallam would gather around him southwest of the Kaaba inside the house of Al-Arqam. Such gatherings were often referred to as majlis, which literally means a place where people would sit or gather and then learn. He recited to them the first revelations of the Qur'an. In this humble abode, the Messenger of Allah وسلم, implored the Sahaba to possess characters of forbearance, determination, and steadfastness amid the growing persecutions of Quraysh. It engraved the seed of faith in their hearts and souls. There is no God but Allah, and Muhammad is the Messenger of Allah. So they may withstand the sufferings they were about to encounter. When the Messenger of Allah وسلم, and his companions migrated to Medina, the Majlis grew in large numbers. After building the Prophet's sacred mosque, his Sahaba would sit under his feet. Everybody sought to receive guidance directly from its source. During this period, a number of them became celebrated in their own accord. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud and Ubay bin Ka'b were masters in the field of Qur'an. While Abu Huraira and Aisha radiallahu anhuma were authorities in hadith. Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu was the best reference in fiqh. While Ali bin Abi Talib was an icon in the knowledge of inheritance. When the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam returned to the Almighty, the companions scattered across the Middle East, North Africa, Central and East Asia. They became imams of knowledge in the regions where they settled. Ibn Abbas in Mecca, the seven notable jurists of the Sahaba in Medina, Ibn Mas'ud in Kufa, Mu'adh ibn Jabal in Yemen, and Amr ibn al-As in Egypt. Students from across the Islamic world scourged to these places to grace the circles of knowledge or halaqa of these companions. For a student to sit under the feet of a companion would make him a direct recipient of the divine knowledge that the Sahaba inherited from the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Inasmuch as madrasas became numerous, two of them were sustained due to its influence and popularity. The Kufic Madrasa and the Madinite Madrasa also known as the Madrasa of Hijaz. While the madrasa in Kufa heavily relied on opinion and thought in their principles, the madrasa of Hijaz, on the other hand, built its tradition on pure text. Both madrasas pro produced the creme de la creme of jurists and scholars, among which are the imams of the four schools of thought in Islamic jurisprudence, Imam Abu Hanifa, Imam Malik, Imam Shafi'i, and the Imam of Ahlul Sunnah, Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal. Notwithstanding, two are the six great compilers of hadith, Imam Bukhari of Bukhara, Imam Muslim of Nisabur, Imam Tirmizi of Tirmiz, Imam Nasai of Nasa, Imam Ibn Majah of Qazwin, and Imam Abu Dawood of Sistan. These icons, along with the other scholars, made Madrasa a beacon of enlightenment and Islamic scholarship. 
In the 10th century, Muslims developed the maktabat or community schools and libraries where books written by Muslims are shelved together with foreign books. The Bayt al-Hikmah or House of Wisdom was also founded in Baghdad while Dar al-Ilm or House of Knowledge was established in Cairo. Today, the influence of these madrasas extends to all four corners of the Islamic world. Southeast Asia follows the Shafi'i school. Central, East Asia, and Eastern Europe are predominantly followers of the Hanafi school, while the Maliki school dominates Northern Africa, and the land of Hijaz is mostly Hanbali. The books of Hadith are translated to hundreds of languages and are being studied by thousands of students and scholars across the globe. Islam preserved the veracity and truthfulness of its tradition through the concept of isnad or chain of narration. Traditionally, the mark of scholarship in any Islamic discipline is the acquisition of a license called ijazah. It is, written, it is a written document which certifies that its possessor has, by heart, studied and learned such discipline from his teacher so-and-so, who also learned it from his teacher so-and-so, until the chain of teachers ascends to the name of a companion whose truthfulness is unquestionable, who learned it directly from the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. The training by which a student is afforded such license is called tilqeen, or personal coaching, and tutelage. Today, however, when madrasas are slowly adapting to modern pedagogical paradigms employed in colleges and universities, isnad, ijazah, and talqeen have become scarce among contemporary scholars and students of knowledge. Diploma replaced the ijazah, while classroom substituted talqeen. It is also noteworthy that the early traditional scholars never, if not rarely, stepped outside the field of their ijazah. Nowadays, modern students are audacious enough to speak on matters that they do not fully understand. The advent of internet and social media adds to this injury. The crisis has reached to an extent where there has been a noticeable decay of interest in Islamic scholarship. Today, there are five core disciplines that are taught in most madrasas. Aqidah or Muslim theology and catechism, Quran, Sunnah, or the prophetic traditions, fiqh or Muslim law, and lugha or Arabic language. These disciplines branch out to lay down the subjects that are taught in madrasas, among them tawheed or monotheism, tajweed or Quran elocution, usul al-fiqh or legal theories, hadith or recorded sayings of the Prophet Muhammad wasallam, nahu ansarf or Arabic grammar and morphology, and others. Although these disciplines may be considered esoteric to the laity, madrasas of the past were not entirely ecclesiastic. Students also studied liberal arts, sciences, metaphysics, medicine, economics, and mathematics. As such, it produced the examples of Ibn Taymiyyah, who wrote a book arguing logicians, Al-Ghazali, who wrote a treatise refuting philosophers, and Al-Shatibi, who wrote on hermeneutics and Islamic law. In Surah Al-Dhariyat, verse number 56, Allah says, I have not created the jinn and the humans except that they worship me. This verse reveals to us the sole purpose of our existence, to dedicate our lives in worship to Allah, our Creator. Such purpose can only be fulfilled by emulating the person whose life was spent in worship to Allah with utmost perfection. 
that is the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. The tradition and legacy that he left serve as our guide in the journey towards fulfilling our purpose. The more we tread his path, the more life becomes meaningful, and the more we veer away from his ways, the more life will lead us astray. A deep understanding of this conviction reveals the profound meaning embedded in the kalima, La ilaha illallah, there is no God but Allah, meaning we spend our entire lives in worship of Allah, and Muhammad is the messenger of Allah, Muhammadur Rasulullah, meaning we emulate his example as the best person who worshipped Allah. It is important that we frequently examine the way we lead our lives. Do I fulfill the purpose for which Allah has created me? Do I strive to make my ways closer to the example of my Prophet? How much have I followed his footsteps in all of my endeavors? Do I, as a human, reflect Islam in my thoughts, deeds, and actions? These existential questions can only be answered if we possess the right ilm or knowledge. A traveler may have known his destination, he may even have possessed a map, but if he does not know how to read it, what utility he has to ride, what dangers are present on the road, then it is most probable that he will get lost. Similarly, we may have recognized Allah as our purpose and Muhammad as our example, but if we are ignorant of the ways by which we can live up to such purpose and example, then we are doomed to deviate from the right path. The value of madrasa in our communities can only be gauged by measuring the importance that Islam has afforded the act of seeking knowledge. As a sanctuary where Muslims learn and study how to worship their Lord and how to live by the examples of the Prophet, Islam has honored madrasa as much as it has venerated the people of knowledge. In fact, the madrasa and the masjid was traditionally a single sanctuary. The masjid did not only accommodate worshippers who offered and read their prayers, but also students who wanted to sit and learn with scholars. Thus, history tells us that the best of scholars are the best of worshippers, and the best of worshippers are the best of scholars. Worship and scholarship are two faces of a single coin. Today, when madrasa is being seen by many as mere non-formal weekend schools where students learn how to pray, read, and write in Arabic, there is a dire need to revive the active role that it, has, that it once had played in building communities and nations. Financial support to the students, their asatid, and the madrasa itself is a great leap, but ensuring that they are academically equipped to find a decent living and stand their ground amid the intellectual challenges that confront Muslims nowadays will require more than monetary help. It demands a genuine commitment from all sectors of the society to dedicate their fields of expertise in the reformation and re-establishment of the madrasa. Our current educational system may have armed us with the necessary skills and knowledge to become affluent enough to survive, but has it made us better human beings? Has the removal of God in the way we live, uh, in the way we live made this world meaningful and worth living? If we truly desire a civilization that caters to the intellectual, moral, and spiritual desires of the human being, then madrasa should be the solution.